Hey, if this is your first time here at CCV, we're so glad you're here, and we hope you have a great experience. And I know it's kind of weird when you show up on the last week of a, of a series. Let me assure you, the first two weeks, they're online. You can just use our mobile app or our website, or just go to YouTube and type in CCV online, and all of our online offerings uh, will show up. So here's where we've been, because you might want to catch up. We looked in the first week of the series at the whole Old Testament. Like, got our hands around all of the Old Testament, which is really cool because, it, like I said, it's a big book. And it's an old book. And so, if you've ever wanted to read the Bible, you know, it's easy to get lost along the way. It's easy to get confused with these foreign names and foreign places. So, that's what we did week one. And we knew that some of you would want more, like, you want to dig deeper. So, we provided, we've done this the whole series, every message has an extended cut video that digs deeper into how to read the Old Testament. The next week was New Testament. Like, what are the genres of the New Testament? How do you read it? Who are the main players? And we dug a little deeper in an extended cut. So if that's of interest to you, like if you wanna know the Bible better because you think it'll make you better, it's all there available, YouTube, CCV online. And I know that a lot of you have said, Man, we, like, we're loving this because we want to go deeper. Me too. Like, look at me. I'm a Bible nerd. But I also know there's a danger in your desire to go deeper. So I, I need to give you two warnings about going deeper. First, this comes from the Apostle Paul. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. And a lot of people think, well, if you know the Bible really well, then you're really close to God. No, if you know the Bible really well, here's what it means you know the Bible really well. And I think we all know someone who knows the Bible really well, but you don't really like being around them because they're a little bit judgy, they're a little bit arrogant, and that's not who we want to be. So our goal is never information. It's always gonna be application. How do we live this out? Because transformation doesn't happen between your ears. It happens in your hands and your feet. So here's the other warning. Because again, we, we hear this around here. People go, I wish we would go deeper. You know what? You need to be careful with that. Because that same expectation is 2,000 years old. And I want you to hear what a pastor in the New Testament said about people who wanted to go deeper. Here, here it is in Hebrews. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you the elemental truths of God's word over, all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And notice those two words, trained themselves. Whose responsibility is it for your going deeper? Is it the teaching team here, or maybe it's you? So I, I know what people mean. When they say we want to go deeper, you want us to explain what each word means, what the historical background is, what the culture is. Look, I love that stuff. It's very interesting to me and sometimes very helpful, but that's not what's going to let, let you know God more. What will allow you to know God more is being Bible-engaged on your own. 
And studies have shown, this is very specific, when you read the Bible four days a week or more on your own with an eye to application, that's when your growth, it just skyrockets. So if you want to go deeper, good for you. By all means, do it. My job is not to explain the text to you. My job is to tell you what you need to know so that you can know what you need to know. So we're, we've been in this series, I love it. Uh, one of the things that was obvious to me is if you actually do start reading the Bible, you're not gonna answer most of your questions, you're actually gonna find new questions to ask because the, the questions are just gonna keep mounting up and that's not really a bad thing. But I thought, what could I offer you? Like tricks of the trade of how you could answer your own questions when you read the Bible. And I hesitate to do this because I know it's gonna happen. Like while Ashley and I are preaching, you're gonna be using your online tools, go, oh, I know where you got that, and I know where you got that, but good for you. I want everybody to be thoroughly equipped to dig into God's word so that you feel empowered to know what you need to know. Got it? Okay, so here are three tools that I use all the time. The first one is, uh, you, I use the YouVersion Bible app to read your Bible and apply it. Now, obviously, it's an app that you can put right on your phone, so it's in your pocket all the time. And you think, well, big deal, you got a phone in your pocket. Well, actually, it kind of is a big deal, because you can actually read the Bible, not just in one version, but in dozens of English versions and hundreds of other languages. It really is remarkable. And you don't have to even read it by yourself. You can connect with other family members or a neighborhood group and hold each other accountable for a Bible reading plan. You can find a Bible reading plan on YouVersion Bible app. On the extended cut, I'll show you exactly how to find a, a great plan. I've got several that I really love that I've used. In fact, I'll show you how to connect with friends. I'll show you how to take a Bible verse and put an image behind it and shoot it out on social. All of that extended cut. For right now, here's what I want you to know about YouVersion plan, or YouVersion Bible reading, and why it's so important to me. I tried probably since I was, I don't know, 16 years old to read the Bible through every year. I tried, I started, every year I started. My success rate, <laughs> this is embarrassing, was 10%. I one out of every 10 times I would actually read through the Bible. As soon as I started using the YouVersion Bible app, you know what my success rate went to from 10%? 100%. There's something about having it in your pocket, something about getting the prompts, something about doing it in community that allows you a greater success rate in getting into God's word. So YouVersion Bible app for me has been a game changer. But whether you're reading from an old-fashioned Bible or a YouVersion Bible app, you need three things, a plan, a place, and a pen. Now the place you have to come up with on your own, I can't find that for you. But it could be your bathroom, it could be a car, it could be at work, it could be a coffee shop. Any place where you could isolate for 15 minutes, four or five days a week. That's all you need, a, a, a place where you could be quiet. And then you could, of course you need a plan. Uh, again, YouVersion has hundreds of them. I wanna give you a couple of very specific plans for those of you who feel like, man, this is all new to me, I wouldn't know where to start. Okay, so if you are new to church, like you've kind of read the Bible, you've been around church a little bit, but you've never really 
focus on the discipline of Bible reading. I would say, I would challenge you in the month of July to read through the Gospel of John. John has 21 chapters. If you read one chapter a day, and some of you go, well, I could read the whole book of John in one. No, stop it. We, you don't need to be like it's eager beaver overachiever. Just do one chapter a day, okay? Walk before you run. Read one chapter a day. It'll take you five minutes. And then the next five minutes, focus on application. And on the next five minutes, focus on prayer. Like talk to God about what you've read and about what you want to do about it. If, however, you've never read the Bible at all, like you are fresh to the Bible, uh, don't try to do a month. Just do one little book. It's the book of James. You go, I don't even know where it is. That's why there's a table of contents. It's in the back of the book. It was written by Jesus' half-brother, so, I mean, that's kind of interesting. And he writes five chapters so you could do it this week. And what I challenge you to do, this is so simple, like everybody can do this, read one chapter. And as you read the Bible, go ahead and underline any verses that speak to you. Maybe, maybe it's something that comforts you or maybe something that challenges you. Just underline it. Now, don't, don't underline everything. Just like maybe three, maybe four verses out of the whole chapter, underline it. And you go, can you, like, don't you go to hell for underlining the Bible? Actually, no, you go to heaven faster. So under, <laughs> underline your Bible. And then after you've read the chapter, look at, what, look at what has impacted you and choose one to circle. You only get one to apply to your life that day. Why, why shouldn't I apply them all? Because you can't. Again, walk before you run. <laughs> Let me be very specific here. Let me show you why you can't. Let's say you pick up James. This week, you read James. And you, you come across verse 19. You go, okay, I'm gonna apply that. Here's what it says. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. There's no way you can apply that for a whole day. Like, could you do that for one hour? Maybe you got a business meeting. And you go, okay, at that meeting, I'm gonna listen carefully. I'm gonna speak less, and I'm not gonna get angry. If you would do that, you would be a more likable employee. And a better Christian, so there's that as well. If Would to God that people would read that before getting on the I-17. <laughs> Try to apply one verse for one hour every day. And after a few days, you're gonna be stunned at the trajectory of your spiritual growth in Christ. So you go, well, okay, I need a... a, a I need a place, a plan, and a pen. What's the pen for? Well, to underline your Bible. And you go, what if I'm using a YouVersion app? Can't I just highlight it on the YouVersion app? Yeah, you don't need a pen, then you need a phone. But it doesn't rhyme as well if you say a plan, a place, and a phone. Unless you say a plan, a place, and a pahon because you're hooked on phonics. <laughs> this is something so simple that all of us can do. And it leads to our first principle of Bible study, and that is application over information. You're not trying to get smarter. You're trying to know God. And if you just want to get smarter, that's not going to make you more spiritual. But if you want to know God, he wants you to know him. And that's in obedience, not in intelligence. So that is, uh, that is uh, number one. And it's really supported by <laughs> still James chapter one. R read this, verse 22. 
Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Even the Bible says the principle of reading the Bible is application over information. Okay, tool number one. Tool number two, use a study Bible to study and share God's word. Uh, I'm holding in my hand a study Bible right here. You can see it's a, it's a little bit thicker than a normal Bible. Uh, these bad boys are gonna set you back between $45 and $75 plus dollars. And what's the difference between a $45 study Bible and a $75 study Bible? The cover. That's really the only difference. But when I buy a tool for my shop, I buy a good tool and I buy it once. So if you like the feel of leather, it will last a little longer and it smells better. So a study about, look, what version should, like when people ask, what, which version should I read? There is one right version. You wonder if it's the one you have in your hand? Here's the correct version of the Bible. The one you read. It doesn't matter, like, it, trust me, I could get into all the details of this, but when Every modern translation is made is by a committee of scholars who love God's word, who know the original languages, and fact check each other. So there's gonna be some minor differences between one sentence and another in two different versions. There will not be a hair's difference in a paragraph that you read in one version to another. So the important thing is find one that you like to read. Here at CCV, we typically teach out of the New International Version, NIV. And we really like the NIV Application Bible. It is a study Bible that leans into application. In, in my devotional life, I enjoy reading the ESV, English Standard Version. They have a great study Bible too. Ashley enjoys the NLT, the New Living Translation for reading. And they have a good study Bible. So it doesn't matter what translation, it matters that you find one that you'll actually read. Okay, so why, why spend the money on a study Bible? Because well, like when you go to a foreign country or you travel to some other place, don't you get one of those guidebooks that tells you, okay, here's where to eat and here, here's the rules of the road, here's cultural customs. When we go to the Bible, we're, like we're crossing a barrier, a, a geographic, a cultural barrier. Wouldn't it be nice to have someone tell you the insights, the insider language of that culture, space, and time? You want to ask about the Bible those typical investigators' questions. Who, what, where, when, why, how. So, for, for example, um, when, when I married my wife, I, I, I did not really understand her a lot. <laughs> and if you, if you were to follow me and say, let's say you came up behind me in Home Depot, and you're, you're hearing me in Home Depot, I talk on the phone, and I say, I, I love you, goodbye. Would it matter to you who I was talking to? <laughs> you would assume I'm talking to my wife. I love you, goodbye. That's a normal conversation with your wife. But what if I was talking to my wife? What if I was talking to my granddaughter? If you hear me talk to my wife, you go, oh, yeah. But if you hear me talking to my granddaughter and say, I love you, goodbye, you go, aww. It's a, it's a different response. 
But if I'm not talking to my granddaughter, but I'm talking to my next door neighbor, like you're not gonna go, oh, you're gonna go, uh oh. Oh, ah, uh oh. Or if I'm talking to my best friend and I go, I love you, bye, you're gonna go, huh? Like you're, uh, huh, uh oh, ooh. All of that is from who, what, where, when, why, how questions. And this study Bible is gonna help you answer those questions, how? If you look at a page of a study Bible, let's look at the first page of the Gospel of Luke. Here is an overview summary of the book. It's like Cliff Notes version. It's almost like you're cheating, but it's legal. And then there's vital stats, who wrote it, when they wrote it, to whom they wrote it, why they wrote it. There's even a timeline that puts this on the mental map of secular history. And then over here is not the historic background, the background around the book, but it's the, it is the literary background in the book. So you have an outline of the book, a kind of a blueprint to follow. Then you've got mega themes, so you know what to look for. You start just this one page will supercharge your reading of the Bible. So instead of seeing it two dimension, you will see it three dimension. Instead of black and white, you'll begin to see it in color. There's another thing to look for, and that is parallel passages. That is, every time when you read a verse, there's a high likelihood that there are other verses that say the same or similar things. So you're reading along and you underline one of those verses. This touched my heart. Look in the margin to see if there's other verses that say the same thing. In fact, if you, if you again, look at a picture of one of the pages in the study Bible, this is from Psalms. Look in the text for like a little A, a little B, superscript. That will reference other references in this column. Because you, like, you're not gonna know all the other references to the Bible. Like if I gave you one topic, you might be able to come up with one or two verses. Somebody might come up with four. This is gonna give you dozens of verses that relate to the text that means so much to you. And then sometimes, like in this chart, this is all of the verses in Psalms that are quoted in the New Testament. Psalms, maybe you didn't know this, is the most commonly quoted book of the Old Testament in the New Testament. And so they actually made a chart out of it. And then at the bottom, this is a bonus, they'll give application and explanation for maybe some cultural or linguistic things. This is like a, an encyclopedic uh, support system for your Bible reading. Parallel passages, in my experience, are one of the most powerful things to help you get the whole counsel of God surrounding you. Because the word of God, it is, it is a divine book. And it, it cross-references itself. In fact, let, let me ask you, that. how many cross-references do you think are in the Bible? 66 books. How many times do you think one verse cites or refers to another verse somewhere else in the Bible? 66 books. There are over 63,000 cross-references. A couple of guys actually tracked them all and put it on a graph. So they went from Genesis to Revelation and they just drew a line from one chapter to another chapter. Some of the lines are long going from Genesis to Revelation. Some are short going from one book to the other. But if you look at the graph, it is an artistic masterpiece. This is the Bible referring to the Bible. That is stunning.
And the reason I show that to you is not to overwhelm you with how complicated it is, but to inspire you with how intricate it is. I mean, God designed this artistic piece, and every white line represents one chapter in the Bible. And if you go to your, their website, you can actually click on the line and see where it's referred to later in the Bible. What that means is no matter what your query, no matter what your struggle, no matter what word of wisdom you're needing, there's not just one verse on that. There are dozens, maybe hundreds, to surround sound your Bible study with the exact wisdom that you need from God. And that is a wisdom worth sharing. I think part of the value of studying the Bible is the ability to share it with other people. But I, I, we need to be cautious here. And I know this is gonna be hypocritical because I'm preaching to you right now. There are appropriate places to get preachy, and there are inappropriate places to get preachy. A coffee with a friend might be an inappropriate place for you to get preaching. Like you study the Bible and go, hey, guess what I found here? You need to know this or you're probably going to hell. That may not be the, the right approach to take. In my experience, when you give people information, they back away. When you share your application, they lean in. So if you read something that really challenges you this week in the Bible, by all means, share it with a friend. And over coffee, instead of saying, look what I, look what I see, see what I see and know what I know. Rather than that, say, I'm really challenged to apply this in my life. Would you hold me accountable? I promise you, they will lean in. Even if they have no faith, they will lean in because as your friend, they want to see you get better. Same rule applies to social media. Like if you haven't been canceled from Facebook yet and you want to post something from the Bible on Facebook, good on you. But rather than getting preachy with it, why don't you tell people the challenge that you're taking and invite them into it? Again, instead of leaning out, more people will lean in. And that leads to principle number two of Bible study, relationship over debate. You're not studying the Bible so that you can win an argument. You share what you've learned in the Bible so that you can win a heart. It's about relationship and having the wisdom of God surround you first. You model it and others will follow you in it. Okay, so here's, here's the third tool that I wanna share with you. Just some websites to help answer your own questions. As I mentioned, uh, the more I read the Bible, the more questions I get, not, not less. Now, I've been able to answer a lot of my questions, but some of them, they still nag me. And the more you read, the more questions you have. So I got a lot of questions. Like I'm still wrestling with genocide in the Old Testament. I don't understand why God told people to kill other people. Like I don't get it. I don't, and I struggle with that. There's so many questions I have about politics and sexuality and raising up children and marriage. I, I, I have a, I've got questions. Sovereignty of God, free will of men, one saved, always saved, end of time, millennium. Like I, I have a lot of questions. Does that keep me from believing in the Bible? Absolutely not. And I find it somewhat disingenuous when someone says, oh, I just can't believe the Bible because I have so many questions. Really? Like, you don't live your life that way. Case in point, I'm gonna say something right now that half of you will understand, but only half of you will understand this. You ready? I do not understand women. 
Like, I, I don't. About seven years into my marriage, I, I, I turned to my wife and I said, uh, babe, I, I thought I was getting you figured out. And then you changed. You know what she said? Nothing. She just smiled. And it suddenly dawned on me, that might be a strategy of hers. I don't know. And you women who are laughing right now, you're going, you're confessing right now, right? This is what you do to us to just spin us around your finger. That I don't understand, women, doesn't keep me from loving one. If I waited to get married until I understand women, I would get married never. If you waited to have kids until you understood parenting, Never, like the world would die out in one generation. Questions about life don't keep us from living life. And if you have questions about people around you, is it any wonder that you had questions about the God above you? He is above us. And I don't know that I would want to worship a God that I could put in a box and figure out. He is mysterious and wonderful and awesome and terrifying all at the same time. And as we learn to ask questions appropriately, here's a conclusion I've come to, maybe this will be helpful for you. Rule I live by, we can believe what we don't know based upon what we do know. There's so much I don't know. In fact, there's more I don't know from the Bible than what I do know. But what I do know is the foundation for me to believe what I cannot know or cannot prove. And so with that in mind, I wanna share with you a couple of very specific websites that have helped me answer some of my own questions. The first one is blueletterbible.org. If you go to the site, it looks like this, and you can go into this query box, change the translation to your preference, uh, and then go into verses, words, or topics. You can type almost anything in there. And the power of this, if you have some imagination, you can do what's called Boolean searches where you put two or three words together. I want this and this, but not that. You start getting creative, you will get very specific texts that will help you answer your questions about hope and love and salvation and baptism and truth and heaven and demons and angels. You can find what God's word says about anything shortcut using Blue Letter Bible. And I hesitate to tell you this because you're gonna download it. You can put it right on your phone. So while I'm preaching, you can check the Greek word on me. And you go, I don't know Greek. Uh, You're going to. Like on the extended cut, I will in two minutes show you how to look up a word, find the Greek word behind that English word, learn how to pronounce it correctly, and then look for every use of that Greek word in the New Testament. It takes two minutes for me to teach you how to do that. You're welcome. It's on the extended cut. Blue Letter Bible has been a great tool for me to use, and it's free for you. There's, a, a, there's a, another tool that I really like to use just for questions. It's called gotquestions.org. It's that simple. And all you do is you go into this uh, and you type in your query. They have already answered over three quarters of a million questions, nearly. Yours is probably going to be in their database somewhere. Let me tell you how I use this. 
I had a guy last week, he's from the East Valley campus, he uh, emailed me and said, hey, I know this isn't a super important question, but what does the Bible say about dinosaurs? It takes about four hours to answer that email. Because you gotta find the passages, you gotta look up the Hebrew words uh, behind the words for a dinosaur, and then you have to look at other websites and how they evaluate that and the scientific data and the geological layers. Nobody got time for that. So I just, <laughs> seriously, I shouldn't confess this. To answer his question, I went to Got Questions. And I typed in, what does the Bible say about dinosaurs? It was an awesome answer. It was like a whole page answer with the scripture text hyperlinked and a video to go through it with scholarly references below it. I'm not gonna be able to give a better answer than that. So I just sent him the text link and said, you're welcome. I mean, you could answer your own questions by doing just that. Now, do I agree with everything on that site? No. No, because there are some questions that people ask about the Bible that the Bible doesn't give a clear answer on. I want to tell you a rule that I think is going to be really helpful to you. Because a lot of the questions you ask are you're never going to answer. You're never going to answer. Don't let that shake you. Because God is clear about what God cares about. And if he's not clear about it in the word, you can care about it, that's fine. You just don't expect God to care about it as much as you do. So what is the mark of the beast? Yeah, nobody knows. When is Jesus coming back? Yeah, nobody knows. What, what, how much is sovereignty of God and how much is free will? Yeah, nobody knows. And if they say they do, don't follow them. They're not telling you the truth. There are mysteries in the Bible. Are you okay with that? Since there's a mystery of God who wrote the Bible. So here's what I would suggest. And around here, we follow this rule. You can have your opinions on things that don't matter. Here's our rule, and we live by this. In essentials, unity. We're not gonna back away, we're not gonna back down, we're not gonna equivocate. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. You can have your opinion, that's fine. You, you can hold your opinion strongly, that's fine. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, love. You can disagree, just don't be disagreeable. And that, this approach to answering questions, I think will be a benefit to you because, here's rule number three of Bible study, clarity over curiosity. Where God is clear, we want to be clear. And so let me be clear about this. What are the essentials to me? When I was a younger man, my list was longer than it is now. But having lived a bit of life, there are only three essentials for me. Just three. Because on my worst days, when I'm being brutally honest, I don't know all the things that I claim to know. I'm guessing it a lot. I'm believing it a lot. But on my worst days, I know three things and only three things. I know, I know that I know that I know down in the deepest part of my knower that God created the world. I may not know who he is or what he's like all the time, but I know he created the world because I see it all around me. I see his order, I see his design, I see beauty, aesthetics, I see honor and love and truth. Because God has put his fingerprints all over this world, I know that he created it. And he, it's not just a God who created it and walked away, he's a God who put breadcrumbs all throughout the world so that we would be able to find him and have a relationship with him. That I know. 
On my worst day, I know three things. God created the world. Jesus rose from the dead. And I've twisted that thing around. I've looked at it from a historical perspective, from a psychological perspective, scientific perspective, from the perspective of the church, from the perspective of non-Christian statements about Jesus. There is no good explanation for the text that we have and the church that we have except that Jesus rose from the dead. And if that is true, then the God who created us is the God that came to us so that if we follow Jesus, he will lead us straight to the heart of the Father. That I know. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of terror, that I know. The third thing I know, this book is the divinely inspired word of God. We will preach from it until he comes back because there is no wisdom in the world comparable to the truth of God's word. I don't understand it all. I don't understand a fraction of it. But what I know is that if I want truth to guide my life, this is the option on offer from God. So it is my prayer that all of us would be Bible-engaged people. Not so that you get smarter, but our mission as a church is to reach this entire valley for Jesus Christ. That will never happen by the preaching of our teaching team. That will happen when God's people get into God's word and go into God's world with this truth. Let me pray. Holy Father, we are so, so grateful that the word became flesh in Jesus Christ and gave us the truth about who you are. And you left behind this one-of-a-kind book, this magisterial love letter that guides us in our marriages, in raising our kids, in doing our business, in reaching our neighbors. And I pray that we would be a church that goes deeper daily with the tools that you've allowed us to have, but ultimately with the truth that you put in our hearts. We pray that we would be effective in evangelism and in building your kingdom here in this church through our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, let's do that.